You're listening to the Why Europe podcast by Greater Europe Mission, where we explore how God is moving on the continent of Europe and how you can be a part of it. Visit gemission.org to learn how you can join us in prayer, partner financially, or potentially serve at any of the locations that we discuss. Thank you for joining us today. Today's episode is with John Robinson of Lingue Christi. Lingue Christi is a partner with Greater Europe Mission, and John has been based in Wales for the past 25 years, hoping to reach the Welsh people for Christ. Not only the Welsh, but people all over the world whose languages may not be recognized by most. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for joining us. I'm sort of a child of two countries. Mm-hmm. I'm an American citizen and a UK citizen. Yes. I sort of first half of life in the US. I'm from Tennessee originally. Great. What but part I, of Tennessee? Well, Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Near sort of the Alabama state line. Okay. In Wayne County. Okay, Wayne uh, County. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, it's a lovely place. Yeah, Tennessee, our home. Yeah, my Very wife good. and I. Yeah, lovely place. Well, um, I did university through through university there in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and then I had the opportunity to move overseas, and I've basically been living overseas since about the age of twenty three. Yeah, wow. And I mean, I come back for different things, like for education or a furlough here and there, but yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Most of my life has been lived in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was that like when you, because I think 23 is still a really formative age for somebody. So what was the decision that made you say, okay, I'm going to come live over in the UK, you know, and was that a like, was that a, a choice that you were saying, I'm going to live in the UK for the next 20 something years of my mm. life? Yeah. Well, actually the first Port of Call wasn't the UK. Okay. okay. Um, I had long had an interest in the persecuted church in Eastern Europe. Mm. Uh, People of my age, sort of the uh, overarching world uh, political situation, which sort of shadowed everything you did, was the Cold War. Yeah. Probably enough is sort of uh, heating up again. Yeah. Back when I was sort of your age, I was thinking, you know, what what's happening in the Soviet Union or behind yeah. the Iron Curtain? So I had a real heart for believers there and wanting to help somehow. But obviously, it was not possible to go openly yeah. as a missionary to those closed countries at the time. Yeah. And I had a particular affinity for Romania, mm-hmm. which is one of the toughest mm-hmm. and one of the hardest uh, communist regimes. Mm-hmm. So um, with our kind of the mission board, the FMB at the time, yeah. they were saying they were trying a new program of getting people to go in to countries that are closed to traditional missionaries, mm-hmm. but to do something else mm-hmm. to get there. So mm-hmm. he said, apply for whatever grant you, you can get, mm-hmm. and if you can't get one, come back and we'll try to work something out. I had one more year of university when I spent a summer missions project in yeah. Eastern Europe. Yeah. So I applied for a Fulbright grant and got it mm-hmm. to study voice and opera at a conservatory of music in Romania. Yeah. So that was my cover. So I was there <laughs> for the last two years of the nice. Ceausescu regime. Wow. And um, that was a very formative time. Yeah. And was able to be involved in various ministries in different ways. Of mm-hmm. course, it was um, more secretive yeah. <laughs> at the time. You yeah. couldn't do things very openly, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. tried to help as I could. But then 
really felt that missions was the thing. I was able to return after the revolution as a full-time missionary to Romania, but then just felt that the Lord was closing that door and looked for a transfer to another location, and there was an option in Wales to come and serve with the Baptist Union of Wales through our mission board. Yeah. And that was 1996 when I came. So I've been in Wales ever since. So this is 26 years this year. Amazing. So it was, so Belmont Mm -hmm. to a master's in, yeah, opera, voice, voice voice Mm -hmm. and opera, yeah. And do you have any other degrees? Have you studied anywhere else? Um, I did seminary to do at Southern Seminary, Southern Baptist Seminary. Yeah. In order to do music ministry in uh-huh. Romania when it opened up. Yeah. So um, I got the cert- the qualifications that I needed there mm-hmm. for the mission board. So, yeah, there was that. And I think that's about it mm-hmm. uh, for the time. Yeah. Time being, uh, who knows? Everyone says I should go back and do something, but yeah, who has time to go back for another degree? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Or the... Maybe the the finances as well, just sure. it's very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, man, John, I call you the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> I introduce you as that to people um, just when I'm talking about your ministry here in oh, Wales with, <laughs> with Lingue Christi. And so how did that, you know, you spent your time in Romania and mm-hmm. then that led you to Wales. So what was the formation of Lingue Christi like? Okay, well, in Wales, I was all... One of the stipulations for the position way back in 96 was that I would learn Welsh. Yeah, okay. Which I did and I enjoyed. Yeah. I, I like languages. Yeah. So I learned Welsh, was able to still preach in Welsh and mm-hmm. all of this. So worked with the Baptist Union for about five years and continued on with the mission board, but was given a team leader position. Yeah. Um, for all of the Celtic languages, people groups. So that would be Welsh and Wales, Irish Gaelic, Scots Gaelic, mm. Breton, Cornish, Manx, and Shelter. But, wow. Uh, seven. I had to use my fingers there. Seven <laughs> yeah. people groups. Yeah. Um, but then when I retri- retired from the mission board, being mm-hmm. a British citizen, mm-hmm. I was just praying about do I need to return to the U.S. and be involved in... Uh, pastoral ministry or as a missions pastor or something like that. And the Lord made it very clear that I was to remain, not only continue what we're doing with the Celtic languages, but expand that. Because over the years, I've been doing a lot of research. Across Europe, about 100 million people speak Mm. a minority language as their first language. Mm, Wow. And they're almost entirely untouched with the gospel in their language. If there's anything among them, it's in a trade language or yeah. a second language. Yeah. And they tend not to be over, overly responsive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. And so we said, um, yeah, let's continue to do what we're doing, but let's expand it to all of Europe. Yeah. So now we're working from... Portugal and Greenland yeah. in the west to the tip of Siberia in the east. Wow. And uh, with 100 million people, 165 different language groups. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of moving through this slowly. We're still yeah. very much concentrated in the Celtic areas. Mm-hmm. That's why we do continue to have ministry here in Wales. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we also have ministry in the Basque country. Yeah. We're developing projects in northern Italy, mm-hmm. Catalonia. Mm-hmm. We've had some connection with ministries in eastern Siberia wow. with uh, nomadic reindeer culture people. Yeah. 
So it's expanding. Wow. And uh, yeah, we're just sort of short-staffed because <laughs> we need people. You right. Say, what do you need? We need people. Right, um, right. But uh, yeah, we're expanding uh, in this way. And, mm-hmm. uh, through one of our missionary families, we've seen uh, uh, church plant all all in the Basque language. Wow, in amazing. In the Basque country, to our yeah. knowledge, the first wow. uh, evangelical church exclusively in Basque. Wow. So, um, uh, the missionaries that were there did a great job, and the nationals who were working alongside them were fabulous, and mm-hmm. we still partner with them. And mm-hmm. So that's how Lingua Christi was born. Mm-hmm. We established as a Welsh organization. Mm-hmm. So it's not an American organization that has an okay. office in Wales. Gotcha. It's actually a Welsh it's organization. Welsh, wow, okay. Uh, registered in Wales mm. as a charity in yeah. England and Wales. Great, great. So, yeah, that's sort of, that was in... 2016. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're young. We're yeah. still a very, very young. Wow, uh, I didn't know it was that young. Yeah, 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 great, great. So what does the partnership with Gem look like with Lingua Christi? Well, even back be- before Lingua Christi, <clears throat> we're trying to get personnel in areas that uh, we, for one reason or another, weren't able to do through our own mission board. Mm-hmm. So we had a family that wanted to work in. Um, the west of Ireland in Irish Gaelic. Yeah. And they were able to go through Jim. Yeah. Uh, sadly, because of Irish law regarding mm. immigration, you're probably aware with your Jim colleagues in yeah. Ireland, it's yeah. very hard to stay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the start of the association. Mm. And then as we uh, became independent mm-hmm. uh, and being Welsh, uh, you know, based here in Wales, mm-hmm. we needed enough. American-based partner yeah. that could help us with processing right, people right. from the U.S. Right, and uh, you know, with and some of the the logistical stuff that we aren't able to do now, mm-hmm. we, we hope to be able to do it at some point. Mm-hmm. So that's been that's been very very helpful. So um, I'd say most of our long-term and medium-term people coming from the states right now yeah. are coming through the gym partnership. Yeah, great, great. And, of course, this is our second summer to use the uh, 10-2 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been that's been exciting as mm-hmm. well. So. Yeah, good, good. So you mentioned that. You mentioned the Basque church plan. Mm. That's amazing because many Americans, we, we think Spain is only Spanish, but there's different regions that speak different, mm. you know, not dialects, but different languages, yes. you know, based on, based out of Spanish. And so you, you also mentioned your, your fascination with languages. Mm. So expand on that a little bit. What, what languages would you say that you're proficient in? Uh, what languages can you understand? And just, yeah, break down your fascination with languages. Yeah. Well, I've had a fascination with languages most of my life, Yeah, of to course. be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And after I came to know the Lord when I was 15... That just accelerated, yeah. I'd say. Um, you know, some people would pick up a novel. I'd pick up a grammar of modern Lithuanian or something like that just for the fun of it. Yeah. I would just read it, and uh, which I realize is a little bit odd, but it was interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, 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 of course. And my mother always said she thought that I had sort of the second chapter of Acts type of gift of tongues so that people can mm. understand yeah. the Word of God because— I was a summer missionary one year back in, hmm, I'm dating myself now, <laughs> 1986. Okay. And I was in several Eastern European countries again, Iron Curtain days. Yeah, of course. And I was in Yugoslavia. Wow. Which doesn't exist anymore. Right, right. 
So I was in Yugoslavia for about three weeks. Mm. And during that time, I preached twice in Croatian. Wow. Um, and so I would say that's not really a personal ability. I would say that's more of a divine gift of that I can't you were really 21 take. At the time? Yeah, I was 21, 22, wow. something like that. So. Already preaching in Croatian. Well, which isn't an easy language. No. At all. <laughs> yeah. So now, what, what I can say in it now yeah. would not uh, would not compare. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I always had that, and I'd say I, I would be fluent in English, obviously, which is my mother tongue, mm-hmm. and uh, Romanian and Welsh. Right. But then um, I do really well with the Romance languages uh-huh. um, and can communicate in most of them, understand most of them. Yeah. Like, I don't speak a lot of Galician or Catalan, but mm-hmm. I can understand it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um and French, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian. Yeah. Um, all those, there's a funny story, just uh, 2021. All, the pandemic makes all the years. It kind does. Of it just kind of makes it mesh together. together. Yeah. But there was a yeah. window when things unlocked. Right. <laughs> and so we took a trip, a quick trip with some of my interns down mm-hmm. to Spain. Yeah. And great. we're meeting with the people in Catalonia who are looking at a partnership. And they don't speak any English. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could understand everything they were saying in Catalan. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just didn't have the Catalan ability to say everything I wanted to say right, <laughs> in right. Catalan. But one of the, there's a young lady there who was new to the church, and she was like working on something and sort of halfway listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, somehow came Romania came up, and I looked yeah. at her and I said, are you Romanian? And she said, yes. So when I spoke, I spoke in Romanian to her, and she said it in Catalan, and they just spoke directly to me in Catalan. Wow. So, okay, yeah. um, so things like that, it's handy. Yeah, and like Delicia and I understand a good bit, but I don't speak as much mm-hmm. as I mm-hmm. can understand. Yeah. I'm not fluent in these languages at all, right. but I I don't need English when I'm traveling around yeah, that's in those good. areas. So. Yeah, that's amazing. And then there's little smatterings of Slavic languages mm-hmm. and Germanic languages. Mm-hmm. I can say one word in Macedonian, mm-hmm. one word in Berber, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I can... Think Greek people, or uh, Hebrew? Oh, well, oh yeah, I had to do yeah. biblical Greek and Hebrew. Yeah, for your and a little modern Greek actually. Okay. So uh, do that and uh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, wherever I go, I can usually say something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some thank you or hello yeah. or please. Yeah. How about the African or the Asian? Languages? I haven't done much of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, I picked up a little Farsi, so okay. that's sort of West Asia. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not fluent by any means, right, again, course, but I can be nice. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> and I find that even a word or two mm-hmm. can really open a door. Yeah. For example, I was at a Heathrow hotel. Mm-hmm. I got there that night and I was going to fly out early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I was there at night, had traveled all the way from Wales. Mm-hmm. Was pretty tired. It was yeah. like nine o'clock at night. The restaurant was closed, so mm-hmm. there's a little snack shop. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and everybody who was working there had a little flag on their name tag yeah. that showed their country of origin, oh, so great. that they could speak various languages. This young lady, I guess she was college age. She was working at the snack bar, and I, I bent over. I said, "I'm trying to figure out what flag that is on your name tag." And she said, that's Georgia. And I said, um, oh, Gamarjavat, mm. you know, greeting in Georgian. Mm-hmm. 
she got this huge smile and her yeah. eyes lit up. And, yeah. you know, she gave me something. I said, Dili Madlovat, which is thank you. Mm-hmm. That's all the Georgian I know. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I used the two things I knew. Of course. But then we started talking about Georgian food. I said, I've never been to Georgia. I'd love to go. Uh-huh. And it, it kind of, it opened a yeah. door of conversation. For everybody listening, this isn't the Georgia and the United States. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess I can... I could do that one as well. Right, yeah. You know, the southern accent. Y'all yeah. in there. So. How y'all doing? Yeah. How y'all doing? <laughs> of yeah. course. Of course. Well, John, that's fascinating. And that that made me ask, like, it made me think of a question. So, like, what is the importance or what is the value that you've seen in speaking to somebody when sharing the gospel or just relating mm-hmm. to somebody in their native tongue? Uh, like, what, like, what difference does that make, the importance to that person, to that culture? I think that it says that we see them. Yeah. Because language is tied to identity. Right. And when you deal with minority languages like we do, everyone knows that they speak a trade language. Mm -hmm. Like if you're here in Wales with first first language Welsh speakers, they all would be fluent in English. Now, Mm. some of them don't don't use as much English. Some of them use exclusively Welsh in their homes and in their work. But they're fluent in English. They yeah. can, <clears throat> excuse me, they can say what they need to say. Mm-hmm. So in these languages, because they know that you know mm-hmm. they can speak a trade language, mm-hmm. they're always very surprised when you say anything in Welsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And much less just start speaking in Welsh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's even more important. Yeah. In the minority case, because that's really like, oh, you're talking to me. Mm-hmm. Because I was saying in the in the Basque country, for example, there's some great work done in Spanish and in French on the French side right. uh, there. And a good, I'd say, at least half or more of Basques who see themselves as ethnically Basque would speak as a first language, Spanish yeah. or French. Yeah. However, for those who are the Euskaldunak, Mm. the Basque-speaking Basques, mm-hmm. if you do everything in Spanish yeah. and you invite them, <clears throat> excuse me, they're completely fluent in Spanish. They would mm-hmm. understand everything, but then they think culturally, ah, this is a Spanish thing. Yeah, There's no animosity there. It's just like, right. oh, this is, this is for Spanish. them. It's yeah. not really for me. Yeah, And that's why you tend to have fewer Basque speakers in Spanish or French-speaking yeah. churches. Mm. And that's why we say... Uh, this church that was planted by the missionaries that were there and their national partners, uh, it was just planted a couple of years ago. And even during the pandemic, they were seeing people come to faith. Mm. Now, it's not huge, but it's there. Yeah. And it's a presence. Yeah, yeah. So we would also say, and I teach this like in our orientation, whenever you have two people who sp- speak a first language which is different, mm-hmm you have to have a common thread or you're not going to be able to communicate. Yeah, I mean, if I just started speaking in Welsh here, you know, you wouldn't understand. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Now, let's say these two people. One is an American, first language English speaker. Mm -hmm. The other one is a Welshman, Mm -hmm. a first language Welsh speaker. Mm -hmm. And we know that the Welsh speaker is also fluent in English. Mm -hmm. And let's say this American has learned Welsh. Mm -hmm. So, you have two possibilities. Yeah. Our, I guess, go-to would be, let's just do it in English. Yeah. But whenever you have an exchange like this, 
whoever is speaking in his first language is always going to be in a position of superiority in the exchange. Wow, yeah. Just because they're more, it's more fluid. It's more it's comfortable, more, It's yeah. more comfortable. The they're, language, yeah. they're having the comfort level higher, yeah. and the other person, even if they're really fluent in English, mm-hmm. is at a slight or great disadvantage, depending yeah. on the language uh, gap. And we would say as missionaries... Our role is to serve the people. Yeah, of course. So we take the subordinate position mm. and give them the primary position mm. in the exchange. Let them speak their first language. I'll speak my second language. I'm going to make mistakes, but I can communicate what I need to say yeah. in the heart language of the people. So I have honored them and I have served them. And as missionaries, this is part of our calling. Yeah, we're serving the people, of course, to whom we've been called. Of course, we serve God first. Yeah, but aren't we g- glad that God spoke to us in English? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had a Bible in English that mm-hmm. we could read, and mm-hmm. we didn't have to learn Koine Greek mm-hmm. or Biblical yeah. Hebrew. Yeah, in order to understand the Bible. Wow, or and Latin, or Latin. <laughs> yeah, or Latin. The, the, Shout you know, out to the Vulgate. God. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And so we would say because we're called to serve. Mm-hmm. We need to to be servants in all things, including culture, including language. Mm-hmm. And like I said, for minority languages, the more obscure or even national languages that are more obscure, yeah, like the Georgian. I yeah, was, I met somebody from from Latvia once. Yeah, of course, Latvia, like all the Baltic republics, <clears throat> also has a large Russian population, mm. Russian speaking population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, you know, she would, she said, oh, I, I, I have no problem asking people. Oh, you have a little bit of an accent. Where are mm-hmm. you from? And they yeah. say, well, I'm from Latvia. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, well, uh, labrit, mm-hmm. right? which is, you know, good morning. Yeah. And, or, or I said, ili dobre utro. Uh-huh. You know, labrit, dobre utro. And she said, labrit. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, she made it very clear. I'm a Latvian speaker. Yeah, okay. So you can kind of... And sometimes in Latvia, I would just listen. Yeah. If I'd say a few things in Latvian, and then I hear her speaking in Russian to her colleagues, when right. she comes back, I speak in Russian. So, yeah, of course. I, and I'm not fluent in either. Yeah. But I can yeah. be polite. It's so. just trying, yeah, it's that, I love that it's just the posture of, yeah, I'm going to, I guess, submit to mm. this culture. I'm going to submit to your heart language just to try to relate to you even more. Absolutely. Yeah, and the posture of that is beautiful, I think, and... You know, I we were just in France, mm. and they were like, "So, how's the team doing there?" We were visiting a team, and I said, "Man, this team—they're doing great." The team next year really needs to prepare for for French because mm. in France they speak French in in many places, whether you understand it or not. Mm. And some of them do speak English. You'll try to speak French to them; they'll speak back to you in yeah. English because they want to practice. But for what I've seen, most of even in Paris. Like in like the one of the most tourism driven places in the world, they're speaking French, yeah. and someone told me they were like, "Yeah, it's just like America, isn't it?" And I was like, "Yes, mm. it really is because we expect everybody to speak English when they come to America." So I think there's a bit of you know entitlement in our attitude is like you know how many languages do you speak in Europe? You know most Europeans speak two or three, and if mm. you speak one then that just says that you're an American. You know, trilingual, if you speak three languages, <laughs> two languages, you're you're bilingual. If you speak one language, you're American. So I think the posture of that is beautiful. And honestly, 
selfishly, this this kind of reigns in my heart a bit too, because as far as like worship goes in a worship setting in a church, rather than translating English songs, um, I think it'd be beautiful to write songs in the heart languages of these people, which is, you know, something that I want to do mm. at some point in the future, you know, on the field in Europe, recording songs of the, you know, people in their heart languages for their church, because what, what connects more to that body? Mm. Is it the heart song of the people in that language, the, the beauty, the, the rhyming in mm. their language, the, or is it translating, you know, Hillsong or Bethel or even, you know, another group from America? So, yeah. I think you've hit on something very important mm-hmm. um, because uh, translating hymns and songs yeah. in the history of, Christi- of the Christian church is not unusual. Yeah, of course. For example, in America, I'd say half of your most beloved Christmas carols were in German or French yeah, before of they course. were translated into English. Uh-huh. But I think you're on to something. It's not yeah. bad to have some tr- some translation. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> but if you can have... In the language, yeah. Christian hymns, songs, choruses, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. that are original yeah. to the language, that use yeah. devices, musical devices, mm-hmm. and poetic devices that are peculiar to that particular language and people. Mm-hmm. I think that's so much better. For example, here in Wales, there's no problem translating into Welsh some of the, the good courses that are There are some mm-hmm. good songs out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But they also have a heritage of extraordinary hymns, Mm. Welsh original hymns. Mm. Mm. And what's exciting now is that there are some groups here in Wales who are first language Welsh speakers, young, who are composing original songs in Welsh. So not just depending on translation. Yeah. Again, I have no problem with the translation, but if everything is a translated song, mm-hmm. well, then at some point, you know, it, it's just yeah. uh, Australian or yeah. British or English or American yeah. translated. Yeah, of course. So I think that's important. And we're looking at people groups who have no church in their language. Mm. <clears throat> in mm. fact, most of them are. For example, in Irish Gaelic, yeah. there is no there is no Irish Gaelic speaking congregation that's evangelical mm, wow. at all. Wow. wow. Even within the Roman Catholic tradition, mm-hmm. they're running out of Irish-speaking priests. Wow. So this is a real issue. And this is one of the things that um, our missionaries, they have returned home to Argentina now. But they were, they were learning how to do the poetry in Basque. It's a particular type of poetry. Right. And then they're starting to write Basque original poems Dealing with faith issues. Yeah, wow. And so I, I think you're, you've hit on something that's quite important. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The mm. the heart languages of people. It's so mm. important to just submerge yourself and yeah, just relate to people in that way. That's beautiful, John. A beautiful perspective, John. So, so in Wales, um, obviously they speak Welsh. Um, what would you say the dynamic of this culture is like? Uh, what is what is the language? What is the language like? Is it? It's obviously like every other language to learn. You know, a new language. Welsh is particularly like pretty difficult. Multiple consonants mm. in certain words, but I'm sure there's a pattern. Um, in, I'm sure there's a pattern. So, what was it like learning Welsh, and what is this culture like? Well, I I would say um, 
First of all, this is something that's easily misunderstood from English mm -hmm. because in Welsh, well, uh, first thing I need to uh, explain something that a lot of English speakers um, bring into looking at Welsh, and yeah. that is that W and Y in mm -hmm. Welsh are vowels. Okay, okay. So every time you see a W, it's an U mm -hmm. sound, mm -hmm. like dur, okay. which is water. Okay. And every time you see a Y, it's one of two sounds. Okay. It's either an I, E, mm -hmm. depending on if it's short or long, mm -hmm. or an U, mm -hmm. like a manith, mm -hmm. the mountain, manith. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So that's one thing. It it looks like consonants when you're an English speaker. Yeah. But you're actually full of vowels there. Yeah. Good. Now, yeah. if you want a language with consonants, mm -hmm. check. Check. Okay. Uh, go, uh, because Z M R L I N A Zmrzlina uh -huh. is ice cream in Czech. So oh my gosh. Zmrzlina. Yeah. Z M R Zlina. Z L mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So. Um, Welsh is Indo-European, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's a distant cousin to French, English, yeah. Russian, Hindi. Oh, uh, wow. Farsi. Wow. Indo-European is a huge language family. Mm -hmm. But it is in the Celtic branch. Yeah. So it doesn't share a lot of basic word stock yeah. with English, which is Germanic. Yeah, right. And vocabulary primarily French, mm -hmm. you know, 45 50% of our vocabulary comes from French or Latin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you do have the same thing in Welsh. Mm -hmm. Eglouis mm -hmm. with church, église mm -hmm. in French. Yeah. You okay. have fenest, finestra mm -hmm. in Latin, or fenetre yeah. in French. So mm -hmm. you do, Welsh, like any living language, borrows words. Yeah. And, of course, they do borrow words from English. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. will often find that people use an English origin word for things when yeah. there actually is a Welsh word. Yeah. So it's something you get used to. I heard it last night when we were at dinner. Somebody said you were talking about the boxes or like, oh, yeah. yeah. So it sounded very similar. It's like Welsh, it's the the sounds of the and the, mm. the yeah, sh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and you, um, you have yeah, mm -hmm. you have yeah. <laughs> Um, but and there's English words thrown in, you know, with those sounds, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. So it was, it's very well, interesting to listen to. When, yeah. when Welsh borrows a word, mm -hmm. they respell it phonetically. Welsh is very phonetic. Okay. Once you learn the rules, yeah. it's like Spanish, if you're mm -hmm. learning Spanish or Italian. Once you learn the rules, you can pronounce most anything. Right. So, like, the Welsh word for friend is cavaich. <laughs> Okay. And if I were being, or kavechion, mm -hmm. friends. If I were being very formal, that's what I would use. Mm -hmm. However, on the street, people say friend mm. and friendia, but they spell it double F R I N D. Okay. They spell it phonetically. Okay, yeah. In Welsh. Uh -huh. So friend. Okay. A box. Yeah. B O C S. Box. Oh, okay. Uh, so when they borrow a word, they will spell it yeah. in a Welsh way. Yeah, of course. So it was more complicated than, say, Romanian, which is a Romance language, mm -hmm. and um, lots of commonality with the French-Latin side of English. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you know any French or Italian or something like that, you're going to, the way Romanian works is going to be more similar. Oh, great, great. Whereas Welsh... Even though it's Indo-European, mm -hmm. it has a different syntax. It's mm. what you call a VSO language. Mm. 
English is an SVO, subject, okay. verb, object. Mm -hmm. I threw the ball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. But in Welsh, it's a VSO, okay. verb, verb subject, subject, object. Okay. The verb comes first. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, just like biblical Hebrew and Arabic. Oh, wow. The verb comes first. So through he, the ball, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. if you were to make it literal. So mm -hmm. that you have to get used to that. But then yeah. I found, I thought, oh, this is just like biblical Hebrew <laughs> Yeah. Know, when I did that. Modern yeah. Hebrew works slightly differently. Mm -hmm. But um, so it took me longer. In Romania, within about three months, I was preaching in mm. Romanian. Mm. In Welsh, it took me about eight months. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then I had to write things out. Yeah. And I usually had someone check it, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it was probably another, probably a year uh, before I was like preaching in Welsh more mm. extemporaneously, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Gotcha. I, I find the, the language fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's, it is, it, it really is. It's, yeah. It was a blessing to learn it, mm. you know, because it is so rich and full of meaning. Mm. And, and the literary language is also so concise and precise. Mm. Now, the spoken language actually draws, it's interesting, it's one of the few times where the spoken language takes more words to express an idea than the literary language mm. does. Like, mm. uh, if I were to say, I was born, it was Migeshiv Vangeni, Migeshiv Vangeni, or Migeshiv Vangeni, they drop things out. <laughs> yeah. Well. That means I had my birthing, literally. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, wow. because it's passive. It's, yeah. it's even in, in English, it's sort of weird, um, I was born, mm -hmm. or, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But in the literary, literary language, it's gone with V, mm -hmm. two words, mm -hmm. I was born. Mm -hmm. uh, but no one says that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's sort of like two languages. You have mm -hmm. the literary language, then you have the spoken language. But a lot, most people just write yeah. the spoken language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we were told that this region is really... Uh, Really, the northern region mm. is really the only region that speaks Welsh, and the southern region is Oh, more. no. Okay. There are actually numerically more Welsh speakers in the south. Okay, great, great, um, great. It's just they're correctly. in higher concentrations mm. in the north. Mm -hmm. But what you have to realize about Wales, if you look at the map of Wales, mm -hmm. and, and in the south, if you start at Newport, yeah. which is right across the border from England, mm -hmm. go to Newport, then you have Bridgend, uh, no, Newport, sorry, Newport, Cardiff, Bridgend, right. Swansea, Canechi, more than half of the population of Wales lives right there mm, in mm. that corridor. Oh, wow. So you have more people mm -hmm. living there. So mm -hmm. even in a place that might be 35% Welsh-speaking, yeah. numerically, yeah. that's more. Uh, but here, it's the concentration. Mm. Because like in Carnarvon, it's 85, 90% Welsh-speaking, yeah. first language Welsh-speaking. Yeah, of course. So, um, but it's it's really more west to east. Mm. We used to think of it north to south, yeah, okay. being, you know, uh, but it's really the western part mm -hmm. is more the Welsh-speaking yeah. area. And the closer you get to England. The yeah. more, yes. Like mm -hmm. there are places in mid-Wales mm -hmm. where you would be hard-pressed to find anyone who was a, a first language speaker. Mm -hmm. No, they're there, obviously. Yeah. But it's not like you hear it on the street, whereas yeah. in Carnarvon, as you've, mm -hmm. you you hear people speaking Welsh. Oh, it's course. their first language. Everywhere, you yeah. Know? And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. um, so that is an interesting phenomenon yeah. uh, here. And I think that uh, 
sort of the welcome that you get from yeah. people when you speak Welsh. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I make lots of mistakes still, but I mean, people understand me, mm -hmm. you know, and they don't have to switch to English. You know? Yeah, good. So, um, you know, you do the best you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it really does make a difference in how mm -hmm. they see you because, mm -hmm. uh, now, people are going to be, very kind, especially within the church life. Yeah, people are going to be very kind to you if you don't speak Welsh, and if you're here for, you know, a month. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that you're trying to learn any Welsh yeah. is going to be impressive. Mm -hmm. But if you come come to a Welsh speaking area, and you plan to live there, yeah, it's really hard to integrate fully mm -hmm. into the life of the community and mm -hmm. really be seen as kind of one of them. Unless you speak well, yeah, great in the language. Yeah, but you do have people, particularly not only from England, but many times because it's right next door, mm -hmm. who will move into an area or retire to an area and um, never really learn the language. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, it depends on their personalities how much they're drawn into the community. Yeah, yeah. And in fairness, some of the retired people will try will give a stab at Welsh. Mm -hmm. I've been in Welsh classes when I first came here where mm -hmm. there were a number of retired Retirees, people. Yeah. Like, why are you learning Welsh? That's what the teacher would ask early on. And Well, I live in a Welsh-speaking village and I like to be able to speak to my neighbors. Yeah. So, fair play to them. It's hard to learn a language at 65, 70. Oh, absolutely, know? yeah. But yeah. They, they give it a try. So, what is the dynamic like here, living in Wales? Like, woo us. What is fascinating about this culture and what is fascinating about living here? What are some of your favorite things and things that you know people would love about Wales? Well, I mean, uh, um, I find the people to be to be very friendly in many ways, but yeah. not like an, an effusive, like this kind of friendly, but just, I guess, a gentler, more polite mm -hmm. type of friendly. People are reasonably polite. <clears throat> I mean... Uh, you find polite people in every place right. and not so polite people. But uh, right. um, And I think, I don't know, and just looking, it's hard to categorize or generalize a culture. Yeah. Because as soon as you do, you're going to find somebody who breaks that mold. Mm -hmm. Because I often will say, if you met somebody from Spain mm -hmm. and they're, they've never been to America and they say, what are Americans like? Mm. Tell me. Go. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and you... As well, soon as you start to yeah. say that, you're like, well, of course, you may not meet anyone like that. Yeah, of course. So, but I find that I've, um, there's also a certain, not reserve, I'm trying to find the right word, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's hard to describe because uh, sometimes holding things a little closer to the chest mm -hmm. in some ways, but in other ways, expressing things very openly through the arts. Mm. They're very artistic people. Okay. So music is important. Great. The poetry is incredibly important. Wow, wow. In fact, we have a national festival called the National Eisteddfod mm. that happens every year at the first week of August. And it's, people can trace some form of Eisteddfod going back even a thousand years. Like yeah. It's something that has been in the culture a long time. Now, the modern manifestations of it are a little newer. Newer, a mm -hmm. couple hundred years old. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, which to Americans like, oh, that's yeah. not so new. But um, that's where they, 
the main, it's like competition. It's music, it's poetry, it's dance, you know, all of these things. Beautiful, yeah. And um, the main part is the poet, the yeah. bard mm-hmm. of Wales, mm-hmm. who will be selected for his or her poem. Mm. And it has to be in a very strict style, mm. Welsh style. Mm. And it's very, very high standards. I remember two or three years ago in the Stethwell, they didn't give the chair, and they give you a chair. Yeah. They didn't give the chair to anyone because mm. they didn't feel anyone's poem wow. met their standard. Wow. <laughs> so uh, that was, I was like, oh, well, I was listening to that on the radio. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, okay. Yeah, they take um, it serious. They take yeah. it very, very um, close to the heart. Yeah, you know, of course. That's important. And, you know, you get... 150,000 plus every year wow. they come to this thing. Mm-hmm. And no English on the field in the Estetvold. It's mm-hmm. all Welsh. All Welsh, yeah, of course. And so, you know, these things run deeply. <clears throat> but you have these things, but you also have, a mo- it's a modern country. It's mm-hmm. not all stereotype either. So you have a thriving modern music scene. Yeah. Uh, almost every style you can imagine. Yeah. In Welsh that's mm-hmm. making crossover into English-speaking markets. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, who knows? You might pick up some good you know, Welsh rock or yeah. you know, pop yeah. music here. Which I would be fascinated to like listen to. Welsh yeah. rock and roll, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's, it's very good. And of yeah. course, some Welsh bands have made it very popular here, but it also... Also internationally, the stereophonics, I don't know if they made it to the States or mm. not. So maybe more on this side of the pond. But, yeah. you know, I, these are some, some bands that crossed into English mm-hmm. market. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have entrepreneurs, you have um, people who are trying to celebrate their culture, yes, their history, their traditions, but say, okay, we have a m- modern Welsh life, mm-hmm. you know, which is more... I think international, um, I find a lot of Welsh people, <coughs> um, Welsh speakers are reasonably well-traveled, mm-hmm. you know, at least the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, they have found with Welsh medium education, because this was uh, UK government educational policy yeah. in the past 150 years has been to eradicate Welsh. Wow. I mean, that's been, a, and they said it, they said, we, you know, we will do a service to Welsh speakers if we can eliminate their language and get them all what? speaking English. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. And even within uh, living memory, there's the Welsh knot, which was a piece of wood on a string, and it was put around your neck, and you would be punished with it if you spoke Welsh at school, and whoever was the last person wearing it at the end of the day uh, would be beaten oh or otherwise goodness. punished. So. That was official educational policy. Wow. And, the, you know, people were often told, Welsh will keep you back. Don't worry with Welsh. Just speak English. That's the language. Mm. Uh, again, this is going back 150 years or more. Yeah. Actually. So, um, you know, and it was like, no, your schools should all be in English. Don't do them in Welsh because that will hold them back. But through uh, activism mm-hmm. for Welsh speakers, uh uh, particularly from the 60s on, but even before that, but particularly from the 60s, uh, there was, you know, the desire to have <coughs> more media in the language, uh, to have education, Welsh mm-hmm. medium education. Right. And so that has grown everywhere, Welsh medium education. And what they have found is 
that having the two languages, Welsh first, English as a second language, and sometimes another language, French or German or yeah. Italian, whatever, it actually makes them better at almost every thinking process. Mm. Mm. And so now you're having parents who move into the area who want to send their kids to a Welsh medium school because mm-hmm. these kids are they're more equipped, they're better at languages, they're better at critical thinking. Yeah. You know, they're well, learning a second language. It just Absolutely. it promotes more like just it activates your brain more. I don't know the psychology or like the science behind it, but just people who speak more than one language, I would say are significantly more intelligent. Or they just have an easier time learning things or grasping things, even culturally, you know? Yeah. So as well. Yeah. And so so it's a mix of the the history, the stereotype, the traditions, yeah. and it's a, it's a modern country. Welsh mm-hmm. is a modern language. It's shifting. I mean, I could, it's probably too technical to explain here, but I've even seen some grammatical usage things that have changed since I've been here yeah. in the last 26 years in the language. Mm-hmm. So... This shouldn't, I know this causes some, uh, I guess, dismay within Welsh speaking, some people in Welsh speaking circles yeah. who want to keep a purer form of the language, yeah. undiluted, you know, this sort of thing. But it's a, it's a living language. So mm-hmm. it's going to borrow, it's going to change, it's mm-hmm. going to. Of course. Yeah, all these things. Yeah, so. there's probably a lot of pride within Wales for their culture, their language, almost like it's like standing up against somebody trying to eradicate them, maybe even the country next door mm. um, and the United Kingdom as a yeah. whole, you know, how, how does how does that translate, you know, the Welsh culture versus, is there, do they want to be independent from the United oh, Kingdom? <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Um, well, like I, uh, I don't know if I said it overtly, but my, my experience in Wales has been almost exclusively in the Welsh-speaking community. Right. In fact, even when I go to Cardiff mm. with non-Welsh-speaking Welsh people, I'm, I'm almost in culture shock. It's so wow, wow. different. Yeah. Uh, and then if I go, uh, you know, over to Liverpool mm-hmm. or Manchester in England, it's it's just that much more different. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, most of my friends who are Welsh speakers would be adamant as supporters of independence. I wouldn't say all of them, but mm-hmm. the people I know. Yeah. And often when I talk about, you know, how hard they've had to fight and are still fighting. Of course, yeah. Just for the right to speak their language in wow. their country. Wow, wow. Uh, often when I speak about this, like in in colleges and things in the States, when I'm visiting different places, mm-hmm. uh, talking to students, they'll say, well, uh, it's almost like you think you look at this like a civil rights issue. And I said, that's exactly how I look yeah. at it. It is yeah. a civil rights issue. Absolutely. Uh, it's not based on race, right. but it is best based on ethnicity and language and identity. Yeah, definitely. So I live in circles mm-hmm, <laughs> that yeah. are much, you know, much more on this side of things. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't know that I know anybody uh, who doesn't vote for Plaid Cymru, which mm-hmm. is the, um, the party for Wales. Yeah. It's the Welsh uh, uh, party dedicated to Welsh independent nationhood. Wow, yeah. Um, And the thing that would be very different here is that a lot of the ministers that I've known over the years, Welsh-speaking ministers, have been arrested. Mm. Often for protesting or demonstrating for basic linguistic 
human rights, mm, mm-hmm. you know, which um, in the American context would probably, uh, the closest equivalent would be the African-American community yeah. through the civil rights era particularly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, pastors who uh, living out their Christian faith mm-hmm. for justice mm-hmm. would be arrested. Yeah. And other horrible, horrifying mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to equate the two. Of I'm course, trying of to course. find an example that would be closest. Yeah. To help because relate. this is yeah. hard, I think, for majority, more white, mm-hmm. Protestant yeah. American churches to yeah. understand because, you know, most of their pastors haven't been arrested for, for yeah. demonstrating for their own basic human rights. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I'm not, it's not an, an exact equivalence, but I'm yeah. trying to find something that would be uh, more in line there. So I right, I found myself since being able to vote as a UK citizen, I support yeah. <laughs> quite company, yeah. you know, like most of my friends do. Yeah, and, uh, and it is. Um, <clears throat> and we do see in the church here, you do see more of, I guess, uh, a heart for justice issues. I think that's growing in the states. Oh, totally. But I, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. No, uh, I don't think anybody is sacrificing this for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. These two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But I think they are looking at justice issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're think about other minority language groups around because the Welsh speaking Christians here were very interested in what was happening in the Basque country mm-hmm. and very supportive of yeah. that. And, like in our work with Lingua Christi, our Welsh, uh, because our board of trustees were now um, two people American-born but British citizens yeah, uh, and two people native Welsh speakers mm-hmm. and we're going to be expanding that. But um, we see mobilizing some Welsh believers mm-hmm. to help in this work as being very important because mm-hmm. across Europe, there may be more, but off the top of my head, I can only think of two indigenous minority language groups that have a history of evangelical Christianity. Mm, mm. Welsh speakers and Scottish Gaelic speakers. Mm, mm, wow. so, so you see that. Uh, but I do think that everyone would also recognize that Wales, and even Welsh-speaking Wales, is also a mission field at the same time. Yeah, This is a phenomenon that's kind of hard to understand, is that you do have some very vibrant churches. You have them, they send missionaries. Wow, yeah, great. But at the same time, a need for mission. Right. Because within the Welsh-speaking population, the number of people attending the chapels has reduced significantly Mm -hmm. um, across the country over the past 80, 100 years. Wow, yeah. Um, And some estimates would say within the Welsh-speaking community, only 1% would self-identify as being as being evangelical Christians. Mm. I realize that that term is more loaded in the States, perhaps, than it is here. Yeah. I'm using it in the older understanding of the word. Yeah. In other words, uh, people of the good news. Yeah, I say. totally, you yeah. Know, um, yeah. I, I, sometimes I think we're going we're gonna to have to find a new word yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's sort of been co-opted in, in yeah. some ways. Mm-hmm. Followers um, of, of Jesus, you know. Right, like, yeah. exactly. Real, so, authentic, yeah. So that's about 1%. Wow. But I would say this is a very strong, if it's 1%, it's a very strong 1%. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. have any nominal believers, 
well, mm-hmm. I, I can't say that with right, 100% right. certainty, but it doesn't fit. You know, people yeah. who are well-educated, well-motivated, well-trained, and if they're not, they find the mm-hmm. skills and the training mm-hmm. and desires to reach their country and the nation. Yeah, so yeah. Um, if it is 1%, uh, it's a strong 1%. Yeah, great. And I think there's room for growth. Yeah, great. Um, so the the need for mission mm-hmm. is here. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, now, there's some of these other groups, like I said, Irish Gaelic, there isn't a single congregation in their language. Yeah. Uh, that'd be evangelical. I could, name, I could name you languages across Europe with sometimes millions of speakers who don't even have a Bible in their language. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's almost like these people have been forgotten and missed and just passed over by the modern missionary movement. That's why we we at Lingua Christi focus exclusively on them Mm. because most groups aren't. Yeah. And if they are, it's usually through a trade language, which is reaching people from the people group that have made language shift, but not the language-speaking segment of the people group. Yeah. So anyway, I... I, I'm a notorious rabbit chaser. No, so that's. I, I feel that I've no, just chased one. It's really good because you touched mm. on, you know, what the culture's like here, the pride of the people, the importance of the language, mm. what the gospel, you know, presence is like here, and I think that's exactly what you know the listeners want to know. Mm. And so, how honorable it is that you're chasing after you know the ends of the earth, and trying to partner with people. Um, to come and join you to do that. Mm-hmm. So if someone were to come to Wales and work with Lingue Christi, what what exactly would that look like? Um, maybe not exactly, but maybe mm-hmm. a generalized idea of what the work would look like if someone were to come and join you. Yeah. Well, I think it's sort of where are they at their stage of life? Mm-hmm. What are their gifts? Important what questions, are, yeah. What, are their, what is their background linguistically? Love that, yeah. For example, uh, we could figure out a place, if we had 20 people wanting to do career missions who Mm -hmm. spoke Spanish, we could place them tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Um, You know, now they would have to learn another language, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. usually through Spanish. Right. But, you know, already having the first language, the trade language, makes it easier to get the second language. Yeah. So uh, those would be the questions. Mm -hmm. But let's start sort of at the student level. Yeah. Because we we have cooperated with uh, Ten Two, yeah, of course. But we also have other projects that are student mm-hmm. projects. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> most of our projects are like four weeks, but some are longer. Yeah. And again, we're looking for students who have particular skills or are generalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have like discovery teams, yeah, where we'd like to send students up to an area where either we've just started work or we haven't yet mm-hmm. to do a little footwork. For yeah. example, we're trying to get a team of four to go up past the Arctic Circle mm-hmm. with the Sami people oh, in wow. Norway and Sweden. Wow. Um, so we're having we're wanting people to do things like that. So the students, one option is to come directly with us. Another, if you want to spend a longer time, would be the Ten Two project as well because it's a little bit longer yeah. period than most of our... Then we also have things for like medium term, Mm -hmm. six to 24 months, something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I, if I had somebody who was an accountant, uh, we could use you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, of course. uh, To come for 24 months Mm -hmm. or career. Yeah. And usually the roles like that, that are supporting roles Mm -hmm. 
uh, also have, we want you to learn Welsh. We yeah. want you to be involved in a local church plant mm-hmm. or um, a church revitalization yeah. or assistance. Making disciples and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But primary job is accountant. We're, yeah. We need graphic designers. We need mm-hmm. journalists. We, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, we need social media people. Yeah, Storytellers. We need, yeah. uh, we need mm-hmm. um, videographers and editors. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I could... Pretty much any skill that somebody has, we could probably find a way to plug it in. Yeah, and um, and again, career people. We're looking for. Uh, we have people in Catalonia who have asked us to field a team of missionaries, mm. medium and particularly long term. Mm. Learn Catalan, help them um, continue the work that they've started, but mm. also develop that and use it as a church planting mm. base. Mm-hmm. The same thing in northern Italy with yeah. the Dolomitic Latin language, mm-hmm. and we're constantly getting connections with people mm-hmm. about how can we help mm-hmm. uh, with a, a more permanent team, you know, mm-hmm. career missionaries. So, like I said, we have 100 million people, yeah. 165 language groups. <clears throat> and uh, one thing I didn't say is that because I mentioned earlier that Basque speakers, some of them are on the Spanish side, some are on the French side. Yeah. That's true all over Europe. Yeah. For example, if people are going to West Africa, mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. to do missions, mm-hmm. uh, and you're going to a Francophone country, I know yeah. that's a colonial holdover, but French in that language yeah. is a language of administration yeah. and literally a lingua franca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you're going to be a missionary there, you're probably going to learn French. You may even go to France to mm-hmm. learn your French. Mm-hmm. Uh, get to a certain level of proficiency, move to country, or do it there. But then if you're going to work with a particular people group, you're going to learn that language mm-hmm. because that's the language you're going to use day to day to reach your people group. Now, you yeah. may need French to fill in your government paperwork and mm-hmm. to do this or go to another part where it's another language. Yeah. You know, you're going to need both. Everybody gets this in Africa. They get it in Asia. They mm-hmm. get it even in Latin America if you're mm-hmm. working in Quechua or, you know, one of these languages. The only place they don't get it is in Europe. Mm. And I say, <laughs> Europeans have been colonizing their neighbors for centuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. It's colonization of the major powers. The, those nation states that you have right now are the political entities. Mm-hmm. That's why, because it doesn't reflect accurately where people groups and languages and regions are, mm-hmm. we throw the borders out the window. Yeah. So instead of saying we're going to organize everything according to geography, yeah, like we're going to have an Iberian mission mm-hmm. or a UK Ireland mission, we do it by linguistic affinity. Yeah, great. How are the languages related to each other? Yeah. So we have twelve linguistic affinity groups: mm-hmm. Celtic languages, Ibero-Romance. I won't go through all of them. You right, can right. Figure that out. So we're always looking for people who have a trade language mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you speak French or Spanish or Italian or German or Russian or, mm-hmm. you know, any of these trade languages, mm-hmm. um, we could almost immediately use you in something. Yeah, fantastic. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, John, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your heart about your story. And it's just phenomenal to hear your story, hear your passion, and hear all about, you know, Lingue Christi. So if you could pray for us, uh, pray for the person listening. I'd love if you'd pray in Welsh, yeah, just so we can hear it. 
Okay. Well, and, I'll do it bilingually. Yeah, of course. Yeah, great, great. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in serving, you know, with Lingua Christi, then, you know, go to gemission.org. Uh, you can inquire there. Um, John, is there a website directly for Lingua Christi? Yes, it's um, Lingua Christi, mm -hmm. all written one word, mm -hmm. dot org. Great, great. So that's awesome. L I N G U A E C H R I S T I dot <laughs> great. O R G. Great. Awesome. Well, John, thank you again. Please, if you could close this in prayer, yeah. that'd be great. O the wine tad, Dunning Dio Hiti Amacavle, in the Gavarvod Velhin, Evangelid Vel, Brodir a choir, a man a stave, Dunning Dio Hiti Amacavle, in the Dravod Pethaus in Busigown. I waith de dernasti. O arglwydd dan i'n diolch i ti am dy alwad yn ein bywyd ein ni. I gymryd rhan yn dy gynllun di, dy gynllun cynhadol di yn y byd. And Lord, we thank you for your calling and letting us be part of your plan. And we thank you for this opportunity to be together today. And we just ask that all who listen mm -hmm. will be touched by your spirit. Yeah in a way that leads them to obedience yeah. and to calling. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, we thank you for this time together, and we do thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Why Europe podcast in partnership with Greater Europe Mission, where we believe if we can reach Europe with the gospel, we can reach the world. You can join us weekly for prayer, give to specific ministries, or serve with us. Visit gemission.org for more information. Until next time.